You are listening to a sermon podcast from Kingdom City. We pray that over the next few moments, you will be blessed, equipped, and empowered to bring the reality of God to your world. Hello, Kingdom City! Wow, it is so good to have you with us today. Wherever you are in the world, we hope that you enjoy the service. Wasn't the worship amazing? Wasn't the praise amazing? You know what? If you're with some family or with some friends right now, give them a nudge and say, God has got good things in store for you today. It is gonna be an amazing day. You know, my name's Matt Filder. I'm part of the team in Kingdom City. I'm based in Kuala Lumpur and it is a real honour and privilege to share the Word with you today. So I want you to sit back, relax, have a cup of coffee, have a juice. Don't eat though, don't eat. You don't wanna get crumbs on your Bible, okay? But I'm just gonna share a Word with you. A thought that as I've, I've been feeling God speak to me, over the course of the last few months, you know, we've been in lockdown. We've been through MCO here in uh, Kuala Lumpur, which is movement control order. Then we went into RMCO. Uh, I don't know what we're going to next, but it'll be some sort of initials, which will be powerful. But you know what I've realised is all the way through this, God has been constantly stirring and challenging me on different thoughts. And so today, I want to share those thoughts with you. These are books, you know, that I want to share about that probably don't get preached that much on. Well, I know I've never preached on them beforehand, but I feel like God has been speaking to me through these books in such a powerful way. And so today I wanna share with you. So I'm gonna actually preach from three, three books of the Bible. I can't count, that's how bad it is. Three books of the Bible. And uh, I'm gonna call this message, Three Keys. Everybody say to your neighbour, Three Keys. Turn to your other neighbour, turn to your cat if nobody's with you, turn to your dog, turn to your parrot, whatever, and just say three keys. See, I want to share with you three important keys that I believe are going to help you through any struggle, any situation that you go through. And you know, in the Bible, there's books that they call the books of wisdom, right? They say that there's seven books that they call the books of wisdom, but there's three books in particular that they call the books of literacy wisdom. And they are the books of Proverbs, the book of Ecclesiastes and the book of Job. And so today I wanna share some thoughts on these three books that I believe are gonna help every single one of you, okay? So we're gonna start with the book of Proverbs, right? Now the book of Proverbs, number one is about wisdom. I know some of you are already yelling it out, you already know it, you know. It's an invitation from God to get wisdom. What I love about the book of Proverbs is there's 31 chapters, which means there's one for every day of the month. And when you have the 30-day month, you've got a bonus one. If you've got February, you've got a couple of extras. But you know, it's God's invitation for you and I to get wisdom. In fact, Proverbs starts with a father telling his son that you need to listen to lady wisdom. He actually calls wisdom a lady. Now, I know the ladies are really happy about that. I know right now my wife is rejoicing. And listen, I believe my wife is wise, but come on. Us men are pretty good too, right? But here's the father telling his son, listen to lady wisdom. And then at the end of Proverbs, he finishes with a mother telling her son about a woman who lives wisely. So there's more power to the ladies and all the ladies said, praise God, I I heard you through the screen. You know, so what do we see in the book of Proverbs? We see this in chapters one to nine, it's talking about gaining wisdom, knowledge and application. In fact, you know, I'll tell you the first proverb starts with this in Proverbs one, it says the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. That's a key verse right there. And I want you to remember that. But see, then the father goes on to remind the son, listen to instruction, listen to your father's instruction, listen to lady wisdom. 
You know, the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs from the first one to uh, chapter nine, that lady wisdom, she walks the streets and she invites all to come and learn from her. You know, probably one of the most famous Proverbs that we all know is Proverbs 3, verse 4, 5, and 6. It says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. See, what I want you to understand though is something that we need to fully grasp right now is When the writer says, get wisdom, it's not just talking about knowledge. It's not just talking about filling your head with a bunch of knowledge. It's actually a Hebrew word, and it's the word chokmah. Chokmah. We'll put it up on the screen so you can see how it's spelt. But what does it mean? Chokmah means this. It's it's actually an attribute of God. But it has so much more meaning than just knowledge. It actually means this. It means to have skill in a certain area. Wisdom in the administration or works. So in other words, it's not just filling your head with knowledge, but it's an application. It's more than just mental knowledge. It's applied knowledge. You know, back in the day when Moses was uh, building the tabernacle or setting up the tabernacle and they were dressing up the curtains and and putting uh, together the tabernacle and even when Solomon was building the temple, it says that they called for artisans, craftsmen, skilled workers that were known to have chokmah, which means they had knowledge, but they also had application. They had the ability to be able to put the temple together. They had skill sets to make that wisdom applicable. I hope that makes sense. See, James says it like this. James 1, to 25 says this, do not just listen to God's Word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the Word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. See, in other words, it's talking about not just knowing, but applying. This is what James is reminding us. And all throughout the rest of Proverbs from chapter 10 to chapter 29, there are hundreds of hundreds of Proverbs covering stuff like marriage, covering stuff like justice, uh, covering stuff like work, covering stuff on family situations, forgiveness, alcohol's even in there as well. And your character, all these are Proverbs that help you cover that. But Proverbs is telling us Not just get knowledge on these topics, but to get understanding and application that you're to chase after wisdom. See, what does that mean? Simply put as this, some people say, you know what, if I just had some more money, I'd be able to get out of the problems that I'm having. Listen, getting more money might not be the solution to your problem. If you haven't got wisdom with the money and application of wisdom with the money, you'll just end up in more debt. So what we really need to ask God for before we actually get more money is, God, give me the wisdom to make this money go further. Give me the wisdom to budget better. I hope that makes sense. See, this is what the proverb writer is encouraging you to do. Don't just ask for wisdom, but ask God. God, give me understanding and I wanna apply this to my life. See, the Proverbs is, Proverbs I want you to also understand is this, is Proverbs is not a book of promises. It's more a book of probabilities. If you think about it, there's some Proverbs in there. Listen, and I'm not here to negate the Word of God because I believe the Word of God is true. But look at this, Proverbs 10 verse 27. It says, The fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. 
Well, you know what? That's a, that's a beautiful statement, but it's not always true. There are wicked, some people that outlive the righteous. Look at this one here, Proverbs 22, verse 6. says this. Here's a good one for all the parents, and I know the parents are going to agree with this. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I mean, we want that, right, parents? We want that. You'll do your best to bring up your kids, but you know what? They may make a decision to turn in a different direction. They may end up doing something that you'd never dream of doing in a million years because they've made their own decisions. I mean, we can see that throughout the whole of the Old Testament where there were kings that followed God with all their heart, but when they passed on the baton to the next generation, their son, their son did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So it didn't even last one generation. The son, even though was brought up in the house of the Lord, brought up and taught the things of the Lord, did not walk in the ways of the Lord. So even though these are good good principles to live by, they're probabilities, they're not promises. I want you to understand that. So what we can know for sure about the book of Proverbs is life is a complex thing. And we need all three wisdom books to help us live it out. That's why the whole Bible complements itself. Proverbs focuses on the general rule and not the exceptions. Exceptions are where the book of Ecclesiastes and Job come in. So now let's look at the second key, Ecclesiastes. I love this book. I used to read through it so fast, but I've really been diving into it over the last few weeks. And you know, what I discovered about Ecclesiastes is there's two characters in this book. Number one, there's the author, the guy that wrote it. We don't know who that is. But then there's the teacher. And from all understanding, we can pick up that it's mainly Solomon that they're talking about. The teacher is Solomon. And he invites people to come and sit under him and he'll teach them things. But what I also notice about Ecclesiastes is there's a, there's a word that gets repeated over and over and over again. And it's this word, meaningless, meaningless. All things are meaningless. One version says vanity of vanities. Another one says chasing the wind. I mean, I'm trying to work out when I read this book, is this someone that's just going through midlife crisis moments and they just documented it? I mean, 12 chapters of like, whatever. You know, have you ever thought that when you read it? But there's so much truth and there's so much power if we grab a hold of what the book of Ecclesiastes is all about. See, the writer, start, the teacher starts saying stuff like this. He says, time, it just keeps on moving. People come, people go, but you know what? The earth is still here. So you may live for a hundred years, but you know what? You're gonna die and the mountains aren't gonna remember you, but the mountains will still be here. So time, it just keeps moving. It doesn't stop for anybody. He goes on to say stuff like this. He says, you know what? Here's the good news. We're all going to die. I mean, come on. He, he, he says it so blatantly, like, you know, it's almost like this is the great equaliser. He says stuff like this in Ecclesiastes 2. So I decided to compare wisdom and foolishness and madness for who can do this better than I, the king. I thought wisdom is better than foolishness, just as light is better than darkness. For the wise can see where they're going, but fools walk in the dark. Yet I saw that the wise and the foolish share the same fate. Both will die. So I said to myself, since I will end up as the same as the fool, what is the value of all my wisdom? This is all so meaningless. Man, I mean, he actually said this in verse 17. So I came to hate life because everything done here under the sun is so troubling. Everything is meaningless, like chasing the wind. How many people know we are all gonna die? I mean, even in this season that we're in right now, how many people know COVID-19 is the great equaliser? It is no respecter of persons. It doesn't care if you're rich or you're poor. It doesn't look at your social status. It can attack anybody at any time. 
The writer goes on to say stuff like this. He doesn't end there. He goes and talks about the futility of work. He talks about it in verse 18. He says this. He said, you know what? You can work hard and you can earn lots of money, but what's the point? You'll die. You'll pass it on to the next generation and you don't even know what they're going to do with the money. They might not even care about their money. They just might go and squander it like the prodigal son. I mean, he goes on to say, what's the point? Meaningless, meaningless, all is meaningless. I mean, this is quite sad, right? Some of you are going, oh my gosh, man, this is quite depressing. Hey, there's a happy ending. He goes on to say stuff like this. He goes, life is even random. You can't control it. Ecclesiastes 9, verse 11 to 12, he said this, I've observed something else under the sun. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race and the strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. The wise sometimes go hungry and the skillful are not necessarily wealthy. And those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. It is all decided by chance, by being in the right place at the right time. People can never predict when hard times might come, like like the season we're in. Like fish in a net or birds in a trap, people are caught by sudden tragedy. How many people know storms can suddenly appear? One minute you could be smooth sailing, next minute a storm can come. And that's the thing. The the, the teacher here is reminding us that we don't know what's happening tomorrow. Even Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't care about yesterday because you can't change it. Don't worry about tomorrow because you don't know what tomorrow will bring, but rather be concerned with today. See, what the teacher is trying to remind you of is there's so many things that happen in your life that you're not in control of. But he does refer to Proverbs. And this is the part that excites me is he still quotes Proverbs when he says, the fear of the Lord and obey His commands is a good thing. The author, on the other hand, is also trying to show us how we all try to find meaning and purpose in life or value in it apart from or without God. And he lets the teacher, as we've been reading, deconstruct it or pull apart all these things. Ecclesiastes 12 verse 8 says this, everything is meaningless, says the teacher completely meaningless. Keep this in mind. The teacher was considered wise and he taught the people everything he knew. He listened carefully to many proverbs, studying and classifying them. The teacher sought to find just the right words to express express truths clearly. The words of the wise are like cattle prods, he said, painful but helpful. Their collected sayings are like nail-studded stick with with which a shepherd drives the sheep. In other words, he prods the sheep. But my child, let me give you some further advice. Be careful for writing books is endless and much study wears you out. The author is reminding us, listen, you can try and figure it all out. You can try and study your whole life to try and find out the answers to these mysteries. But even that is not gonna make sense. You can wear yourself out. You can wear yourself out trying to find out all the mysteries and all the answers. Some things the author is reminding us is, Some things we just have to let go and let God be God. He finishes by saying this, that's the whole story. And now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey His commands for this is everyone's duty. Again, quoting Proverbs, God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. I love it because Proverbs starts with this fear God in chapters one and two, Ecclesiastes finishes with it in chapter 12. So what's the point? Some of you sitting there going, well, then what's the point of even trying? If it's all meaningless, meaningless, what's the point of even trying? I mean, the word meaningless 
in the book of Ecclesiastes appears a minimum of 38 times. In some versions, it goes to 40 times. Meaningless, meaningless. Why even bother trying? So should I bother working hard? Should I bother running the race? Should I bother even putting effort in? Because it's all meaningless according to this author. Well, no, I want you to understand. That word meaningless is our English translation. But the Hebrew word is the word hevel, H-E-V-E-L. In some versions, it says H-E-B. E-L. And it's a metaphor. It literally means this. It means smoke or vapor. It's like an enigma. It's, It's just difficult for us to fully understand or comprehend, but it still has something to it. See, I don't know about you, but if you've ever seen a smoke filled room, it can look amazing. You can't see ahead. It can actually feel like a wall in front of you. But the thing about smoke is, even though it's there, if you try to grab it and hold it tight, it'll disappear from your hands. And this is what the Ecclesiastes writer is trying to remind you. Listen, life is like smoke. It's there for a moment, but if you try to grab it and control it, it disappears out of your hands. So it's not the fact that it's totally meaningless. In fact, nothing could be further from the truth. Life has meaning. But the moment you try to control it, it'll slip out of your hands. The moment you say, this is mine and no one else's, and you try to grab it tightly, just like smoke or vapour, It'll disappear. Here today, gone tomorrow. And so he's saying, Hevel, Hevel, life is Hevel. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. The Ecclesiastes teaches us this, to understand that everything is fleeting, vapour or smoke. Enjoy it, but don't try to hold it tight. It all disappears. It all has a time limit. Man, just yesterday I woke up, I was 25. The next day I woke up, I was 55. My hair's already gone to be with Jesus. My teeth are slowly doing a number on me. Gravity's sucking my stomach down where once was a six pack is now a keg. Life happens to us all. And one day I'll shed this mortal coil as Shakespeare said, and I'll be with him. I'll be made like him. That's, that's a different picture right there. But what I do understand is this body's got an expiry date. And this is what the Ecclesiastes writer is writing to us. He's not saying think of it as meaningless. He's saying make the most of every moment. Enjoy the moments. Can I say this to every single person that's listening to me right now? Enjoy every moment. Find the good in every moment. Listen, good or bad, they're moments. And even so, so many of us, we want to grab a hold of the good, but we want to ignore the bad. But the, the writer is saying that everything is like vapor. So good, even though you try to hold on to it, it will disappear. Bad, if you try to hold on to it, it'll disappear. So I want you to understand, as the writer is saying here, embrace life. Embrace and appreciate everything. You know, something that God challenged me on is He said, Matt, would you thank me for the privilege of living through this season? that we're in this MCO, we're in this COVID virus. And I realized, my God, you know what? Thank you that you called me and allowed me to be around for such a time as this. It changed my whole perspective on absolutely everything. I never thought I'd ever go to a shopping mall and be told to wear a mask. Where I grew up, if you wore a mask and went into a shopping mall, you'd be arrested because they thought you were gonna rob the place. But now you have to wear a mask, otherwise you get arrested because, you know, COVID. Anyway, do you understand? So the Ecclesiastes writer is saying, embrace every moment and hold it with an open hand. Lastly, we finish with Job. We've had Proverbs, 
We've had Ecclesiastes and now we'll talk about Job. Again, a book that I used to try and go through as fast as possible because I thought this is a bad rap. But Job is all about the experience. And Job 1.1 says this, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright and one who feared God and shunned evil. God even reaffirms this in verse eight when Satan approaches his throne. And he says, have you considered my man Job? He's blameless and upright and he fears me. You know what? Bad things happen to Job. Bad things happen to Job. In chapter one, he loses all his children, all his livestock in a moment. And in chapter two, he's personally afflicted and personally struck. But even at this point here, he made a decision and he said these words. He said, though he slay me, yet will I praise him. Job was an upright man. Job was blameless before God. Yet all this tragedy hit him. He did everything right. The Bible says that he did everything right. He offered sacrifices before the Lord. He worshipped his God. Yet bad stuff still happened. See, there's challenges as we go along in life. And this is something that stood out to me was Job was an upright man, but he still feared bad things happening to him. And the question that I asked was this, was his actions simply to stop bad things happening or was it out of a relationship with God? Why am I saying that? See, in Job 3 verse 25, he said, for the thing that I fear has come upon me. What I dread, it befalls me. So even though he was blameless and upright and did all the right things, there was still in the back of his mind that if I don't do the right things, maybe bad things will happen to me. And listen, I want you to understand, there are some of you right now that you, you worship God, but do you worship God out of relationship or do you worship Him out of fear? See, when the Bible talks about fearing God, it's not talking about being scared of Him, it's talking about hating evil. And Pastor Mark preached a message a few weeks back about the three-dimensional God. And he said, we, we see Him as master, we see Him as creator, but do we see Him as father? And what I realized in part is Job possibly saw God as creator and as master, but he, did he have a relationship with Him as father for why would he fear God in this realm? The interesting thing is it goes on to say this, that three friends come to console Job. And they say these three things to him. One person says, hey, listen, Job, the reason why all this bad stuff has happened to you is because you must have been bad. I mean, there's just no other way that it could have happened. Bad things happened to you because you did bad. And maybe you've forgotten about it, but that's the truth. Really? I mean, honestly, his friends had wrong mindsets. He said, bad is happening to you because you did bad. But we know Job didn't do any bad. See, the reason why we say that is because we believe in the sowing and reaping principle. We believe, well, you must have sowed bad, so you're reaping bad. Now, I believe in the sowing and reaping principle. But if we hold that fast and don't allow ourselves to administer the grace of God, then listen, if sowing always produces reaping, then all of us are doomed to a lost eternity. But God demonstrated His love towards us that while we were still in sin, Christ died for us. So there's forgiveness and there's grace that can sever what has been sown and caused you to reap an incredible harvest where you have never sown. The next friend said this, well, maybe bad things happened to you because it was a warning just in case you did something wrong. I want you to understand, listen, I've heard people say this. Well, you know, that's the thing. I mean, think about it. As a parent, if I turn around and smack my kids and I said, hey, smack. And they go, what was that for? I say, just in case you decide to do something bad. What sort of a parent am I that's smacking my kids if they haven't done anything wrong? I mean, that'd make me a bad parent. Listen, God would never do it. That's not the case. And the last friend said, well, maybe it's a bit of both. 
Maybe it's not just the fact that, uh, you know, you might not have done any, you might have done bad and reap bad. You might have not done bad, but God's trying to prevent you from doing anything wrong in the future. Maybe it's just a bit of both. Can I tell you right now, all three were wrong. God ended up rebuking these guys and said, you're all wrong. You've misunderstood what I'm trying to teach here. And then Job finally calls God into account and he says, I want an explanation. I want you to tell me why this happened to me. How many people know the Bible tells us that God comes down? God comes down and He begins to speak to Job, but He doesn't give an answer to his questions. He said, where were you when I made the heavens and the earth? Were you there? Did you make the rain clouds hold their rain until their due time? Do you hold back the oceans from, from waving too far across the shoreline? Did you, can you control Leviathan? Can you stop Behemoth in its tracks? He begins to tell him about his, all his majesty and all his wisdom. God never explains why this bad thing happened. And what I love about it is Job relents and Job repents. See, I don't know about you, but sometimes you're not gonna get an answer. God never explained why the bad things happened to him. He just simply said to Job, will you trust me regardless? And friends, I gotta tell you right now, faith and trust are linked so closely together. You may be going through a bad time right now. You may be going through circumstances that you don't fully understand. But I wanna tell you right now, even if you don't get the answer, will you trust Him? Will you trust Him? See, what I realise is this. Pastor Mark referred to this last week in his message. He talked about people see the glass half empty or half full. I was driving along in my car and God said, do you ever thought about that? How do you see the glass, Matt? Half empty or half full? And I I said, well, I'm not too sure. He said, listen, this is the problem. It doesn't matter whether the glass is half empty or half full. You should just be grateful you've got a glass. Some of us are always worried, is it half empty or is it half full? Who cares how much is in the glass? We've just got to learn to thank God we've got a glass. I finished with this story. It's a story of a woman called Corey Tenboom. She was this incredible woman. Her, her father, and her sister were helping save Jewish people when the Germans were uh, at war and killing off the Jewish uh, people. They began to hide Jewish citizens in their household, and later they were caught and arrested and put into the same concentration camp as the Jewish prisoners. During their time in the concentration camp, Corrie ten Boom's sister died in the concentration camp and so did her father because of the bad treatment that they had in the camp. But Corrie survived and came out of that concentration camp. Years later, when she was being interviewed, she was asked this question. She said, have you ever asked God why all this bad stuff happened to you? You did nothing wrong. In fact, you tried to protect people. You tried to help them in their time of need. Did you ever ask God, did he ever give you a reason why? And she said these words. She said, when you know God, you don't have to know why. Friends, I wanna tell you, when you know God, you don't have to know why. And right now in this place, you may be saying, I don't know what's going on in my life and I don't know why it's going on. I keep on asking God, what's going on? Why is this happening to me? I wanna tell you right now, would you trust Him? Would you just place your trust in Him and say, God, I don't know why, but I know you and that's enough. Amen. Amen. I wanna pray for you right now. I wanna pray that the blessing of God comes upon you right now, 
that no matter what situation you're going through right now, that you're going through it and you'll come to the end. So Father God, right now, I just pray over every single person that is struggling right now, no matter what situation it is, Father God, I pray right now, let them put their trust wholly and completely in You. That Father God, they may not see it, but they're gonna place their trust in You. They may not feel it, but they're gonna place their trust in You, Father God. We declare, Lord God, Your promises are yes and amen. We declare this now in Jesus' mighty Name. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus, we want you to know that He loves you very much. So much that He died on the cross for all of your sins that stood between you and God. If you would like to make a decision to follow Jesus today, all you need to do is to repeat this prayer. Dear God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I admit that I'm not right with you and I want to be right with you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me and making me your child. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, or if God has done anything in your life because of this podcast, we would love to know. Email us at testimony at kingdomcity.com.